Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John and Melson IV. On today's episode, I'm chatting with DC 101 honor personality and fellow wrestling fan, Mike Jones. We're talking about radio and wrestling and the parallels between the two worlds. For this one, I'll try to be in my better behavior. Check it out. So, how's it look on your end? Everything's good. So, how long have you been at DC 101? Oh man, uh, I'm actually coming up, John, on uh, 15 years. It'll be 15 years in November. I can't believe it's been a decade and a half now. Wow. Because I remember listening to you back around that same time, like you and Roach, and also Ellie in the morning, too, before we went up to Philly. I know we've uh, we've been there, like, it, it's so funny that Elliot's been there for 20, and, you know, well, actually more than 20 now, and so is Roach, and I'm not that far behind, and I, uh, when I, when I got the job in 1996, I was like, all right, I could be here for a couple, you know, maybe a year or two, then let me see what happens. Next thing I know, it's 15 years later and still going strong and now is the Midday Princess. It just, it blows my mind to think about that every time. Oh, yeah. So how'd you get into radio? Well, so, like, when I was, I don't know, when we're all 18, 19, 20, we all do crappy jobs. You don't know what you're doing. You're floating around. I graduated high school, and then I went to a semester of community college, and I was like, this isn't for me. I just need some time off of school. So, you know, then working, uh, fixing houses for a couple years. And then I was like, you know what? I listen to the radio all the time. I love music because I was the music nerd of all my friends. And I, I feel pretty confident I can form a sentence. So let me give this radio thing a shot. So I went back to college. Uh, they actually had a good radio program at the community college I went to. And uh, a couple years later, got an internship at CBS in Baltimore. And next thing I know, I'm on the air all the time. And this this is life now. And I, I never thought, I honestly, from that first day, I never thought it would take me this far. It's it's unbelievable. You know, I love how you put that, you know, because it's kind of funny. People always ask, well, since your parents weren't, weren't broadcast, you ever thought about it? I was like, I just give the same answer. How long have you known me, and would you trust me in front of a live mic? Seven-second delay can't, can't, cannot, you know, handle me, homie. You know, it's funny you say that because when I first did it, like, uh, even back at school, I remember, you know, recording, they would make us do, like, uh, fake uh, fake radio breaks just to just to get yourself talking and see what you could do and everything. And I just remember from that first time, I was like, do not cuss in front of a microphone. And I've... I've never even come close to slipping up on the air. It's just when I'm in front of a microphone, even like I'm here at my house right now, my home pillow fort studio, even then I don't swear in this room. If there's a microphone, I'm I'm pretending there's a priest in the room or my grandmother or something. That is the best tip I've actually heard. I never thought about that. <laughs> right. Okay. So speaking of which, what is it like broadcasting from pillow fort studio? Well, the last year and a half, I'm, I'm back at the DC 101 studios now, um, but for the last you know year and a couple months, being here at home, it was nice to roll out of bed, take a shower, and then boom, you're right to work. You didn't have to go through traffic. You know, DC traffic is the worst and everything. Um, so that was nice, but being at home, there are those distractions of home of, hey, my wife's here. I have my cats that are scratching at the door. You know, uh, Amazon guy rings the doorbell, so I got to redo a break. You know, there, there could be a whole bunch of different things. So there are very good things about it, saving time, saving gas money, all of that. But on the bad side, 
I just I miss the studio being in an actual radio station studio where I know nobody's coming in there unless I let them in that room and this is my zone. I'm not going to hear the floor creak or anything like that. Um, so there was a lot of give and take, but it did teach me that I could set up my own home studio and now I have this here where um, I'll go to work at DC 101 now in the morning and then I'll leave after my show, come home and do my commercials here and do everything else that I need to do to finish out my day so I can avoid rush hour and it's nice to have both of those options. I love how you put that because you're right, the distractions can be a thing because it's kind of funny like um, it was like you know, where, I'm, where I'm recording and whatnot, I gotta make sure everything's quiet, I gotta make sure like okay make sure air conditioner's off, you know at least at a different setting to make sure you know my cat Enzo's cool and yes I named after the wrestler yes <laughs> you know well it's like you don't realize that stuff and the first you know the first week when I was at home here all I was concentrating on was okay do your show make sure my internet's up and technology is okay and the computer I had then that thing I still have the computer. It was on its last leg, so I was like, I got to get a new computer ASAP. I don't know how long this pandemic thing's going to go, and I'm glad I did because I ordered it right away, and it helped me all through, you know? So you don't realize those things till you're in it, and you do it every day, and you're spending nine, ten hours a day working. You're like, man, there's a lot of stuff that can go into this that can go very right or very wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to tell you. I remember the first time I had to do an interview three times, right, with this one wrestler named uh, Trevor Eon. Actually, mm-hmm. he just did um he did um match on AEW Dark, and I had to do the interview three times because I just got a new microphone, so still getting the bugs out with that. The second time I forgot to hit the record button on his side, so it sounded like I'm talking to myself in a room. Um, <laughs> well, you kind of are in a weird way, but um, yeah, like I said, it's a learning process, you know. You don't- yeah, and that's you know not not to cut you off, John, but like. I've had those interviews where something technically has gone wrong, and you know that that was good that um, Trevor let you do it again. Well, do it again twice more. Yeah. But you know, uh, there was one time I interviewed Allison Chains. The microphone cables, the one of them cut off, and it screwed up the whole recording. And I'm like, Ugh. I did everything I could, but that's Allison Chains. I have to save this you interview. Can't. I couldn't. There, there was nothing I could do, and I. I tried every trick I had, but I was like, man, I just lost an interview with Allison Chains. Look, it happens. Exactly. As long as it's not the final thing that's on the air, that's when it really counts. If it's a phone call, if it's an interview, that's all stuff that eh, nobody knows. It's not going to be the end of the world. But, you know, if you're doing it live or something, then, yes. oh, damn, that's the worst. Yep, exactly. Now you got to do it without the net, pretty much. Yes. And that, you know, and that was another thing, like going back uh, from being here at home. Um, you know, getting back live on the air and everything that that first week, uh, a couple weeks ago was it was high adrenaline for me and I didn't screw up. Uh, technically, nothing got screwed up. Uh, no. Stumbling over a couple words here and there. OK, I did. But for the most part, I was like, all right, I'm back into it. I'm good. I'm right back in the game. I feel good. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You got to get the ring rust off, so to speak. You exactly. Know? Speaking of which. All right. You're one of the most. You're one of them, along with the other DJs on there, you're one of the more vocal ones about it, though. So when did you get into wrestling? About wrestling? Oh, man. Man, I don't know. Uh, it was like mid-'80s, WrestleMania three, WrestleMania four. It was WrestleMania four. I remember that was really what I got in, um, renting that 
video from the video store. You know, I saw saw the cover of it. I was like, wait, this is, you know, this is going to be Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant because I saw them on Superstars here and there. But I'm like, oh my god, they like are going at it. Then saw the guys in the tournament, and from that from that point on, I was hooked, and I've been a lifelong fan ever since. Same here. I remember, uh, literally, I was like, um, WrestleMania the. First, the first person made debuted for a few months after I was born. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, I got a crazy Virgil story. I'll put it that way. They can never make air for legal reasons. <laughs> okay, so knowing your name is Mike Jones is a that name sounds very familiar. Aside from the rapper, it's also the name of Virgil, though, right? You ever get confused for the both? No, uh, people people still bring up the Mike Jones who Mike Jones who and. I get people tweeting me all the time thinking I'm the rapper Mike Jones. But no, 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 never one's, no one's ever confused me with Virgil. I, I don't go to Olive Garden as much as he does. I love an Olive Garden, don't get me wrong, but he's the bread sauce. He's the meat sauce of breadsticks master. I almost spat my water out when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. So have you checked out Dark Side of the Ring? You know what? I've seen a little bit of the show I haven't actually watched all of them. And let me tell you why, too, John. It's like, on one hand, I'm such a... Excuse me for one second. I didn't want to cough in your ear. I'm sorry. Um, On one hand, I'm such a huge fan, you know, just like you, like, lifelong fan. And I idolize these people. Like, they really are superheroes to me. They're real-life superheroes. And on the other side, I don't want to hear... Like, we hear enough stories about the bad things that do happen behind the scenes and everything. I don't want to know what happened, this, that, or the other. It's like, you know, I just want to think about my childhood heroes and, you know, now the guys I watch and girls, too, on TV every Monday and, well, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I don't want to think of them in those terrible ways, too, because there has been so many bad things that have happened over the years in wrestling. So, I like, the show's interesting to me for sure, but I, I tend to stay away from that. Smart move. <laughs> Put yeah, it that way. It's a lot of the reason that over the course of the last year, I didn't watch too much of the news because I was like, you know what? I get enough of it looking for it for work every day. And afterwards, between the pandemic and politics, and I was like, I I just can't. I'm just going to be a miserable person if I do. So I just can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll remember that old twist this on the world as hell. You know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's like, um, all right. It's like, okay, I guess I'm not going to ask this question. I know you're a big WWE guy, but any other promotions that you that you dug or anything? Sure. I mean, like, growing up, like, I would watch uh, the Nitro replay. I always liked that. I thought that was very smart of WCW to have the Nitro replay. Like, even if you're not getting the live audience, you know a lot of people would stay up and watch the three hours right after raw and see what happened they would flip it over immediately to watch nitro i so i always knew what was going on in both and um like i definitely have checked out uh impact over the you know keep it up on impact i uh try to keep up on AEW and everything that's going on i don't watch every week but you know they've got some names of course that we all know and i see what's going on with them and up and comers too and i i really find it fascinating they have these guys on AEW and a lot of the women too that were never on TV before and now they're getting their shot and they really are making the most of it. Oh yeah. That's the one thing I'm digging about AEW. It's like one of the things is this when you follow somebody in love, like, I know a guy from Twitter, you know? Yes, exactly. It's it's like nobody 
you know, the mainstream people, wrestling fans know who Hangman Page is, but he's not a guy that was on TV before unless it was here and there for New Japan or something, you know, whatever it might be. But now, you know, you see him every week. You see Kenny Omega, and these guys are really taking that ball and running with it. Exactly, you know, and I'm glad to see that because, you know, because I remember, cause I remember when New Japan was on um, Access TV, my mm-hmm. whole uh, thing was, okay, get a small pizza, New Japan, listen to like a Mauro Ronaldo, we'll then turn to Jim Ross on commentary with, um, dude, the other G's name, um, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like, you know, I remember watching that, also Game 4. See 40- with Matt Stryker? No, it wasn't Matt Stryker. Uh, it wasn't Matt Stryker, it was, um, it was, um, it starts with a J, but also he's, he does blood sport. It'll come back to us. Exactly. Like, It'll hit later. It'll during f- another part of the conversation. As every time. But um, Every time. I remember watching that. I was like, uh, just keep seeing like how Kenny Omega develops. Also, gain 40 pounds that way, too. Cause what, what are you going to do based on Friday night? You know, just, that's what I do. So, point being is this. So, I remember seeing like, okay, this guy has something to him. Kenny Omega reminds me a little bit of like, um, reminds me of somebody from that video game Fight on Fight, actually. I don't know why. He just does. You know, interesting. Josh Barnett, by the Josh way. Josh Barnett, thank you. Yes. That's who it was. I started with a J. And you ever like see a name, like you see the letters, but they're just kind of floating around? Yeah, you, you're like, I can picture it. I could see his oh face. I can hear his yes. I just can't remember him right off the top of my head. Or the classic moment with Josh. When the, I think of Josh Barnett, I think of the time when, um, I forgot who, oh, once again, I should have taken notes. It was when New Japan was doing a, doing a U.S. event, right? And what happened was, so was a, there was an incident with Juice Robinson, right? I think mm-hmm. he knocked over Jim Ross, and you hear shit getting real when Josh Brennan said, oh, you done fucked up now. <laughs> and, and I'm like, okay, this was not supposed to happen. First of all, you don't touch Jim Ross. He's a friggin' saint, damn it. <laughs> you know, you so... Don't, you don't mess with JR. No, you do not. You know, cool dude, too. Actually, gave me a, actually gave me a free picture for my birthday, you know? He's a really big thing for birthdays, you know? So, point being is this. So, what happened was, I just remember that, and I just loved how that developed when all these guys come over, right? And how, really, how, like, all these guys are just making their names and really making their mark and everything, right? And I'm glad to see Kenny Omega in the U.S. And, I'm, you know, so I'm surprised the Young Bucks, because I'll tell you right now, the whole idea for All In seemed like the craziest bet, you know? I, I thought it was going to be a, a fun pay-per-view, and then they're like, we're doing another. Okay, they're going to do you know, a couple events every year, have the best guys from indie wrestling coming together. That's cool. There's some big names there. That's cool. And now it's developed full-blown every week. Now, what, tw- twice a week on uh, on TV, and then they got AEW Dark. And, yeah. man, I mean, they're, they're really going, they are going full blast in. on this. I was, just, I was just looking how Tony Khan is – put over 20 million dollars into video games and i mean they're they're really investing and pushing forward and i love it i think it's great same here you know and it's like i remember everybody hit me up like like i'm an age or something like that have you seen this it's like wcw 2.0 i was like technically 3.0 we're at, we're at impact wrestling but yes yeah. here or there <laughs> but you know all right so i've always wondered when it comes to interviewing wrestlers what's your technique to that like how do you approach it well, it depends. Like, I can usually, at this point, like, I've talked to pretty much everyone in WWE um, on the roster, which I, I feel so fortunate to that. Like, I, I have my 
my best friend Tony, he always hits me up after I post an interview. He's like, dude, how lucky are you that you get to interview, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss or Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins or something? I'm like, yeah, I'm a super fan, and this is the coolest thing that I get to do that. Um, it depends. You can usually tell within the first question or two which way they're feeling on the conversation, where most people – they want to keep it half and half, like half, hey, I want to talk about my character and stuff, but then also let's talk about some other things that are going on too. And that's the way I approach it. I try to keep it in that middle area form. So coming back to it, have you ever got somebody to break kayfabe? To break kayfabe? Yeah. Um, like kind of give them like, oh, <laughs> let it slip. No, no, no one's ever done that, you know. Um, But I also, like, I, I just try to approach it like, Hey, yes, you're a WWE superstar, or you're from Impact, um, or AEW, you know, whoever it might be. But also on the other side, you're a person too, and you know, you're probably excited to talk about what's going on here and everything. Um, I do love when it's especially great when someone will come to the studio and you know, you see them as themselves. Like, like let me Charlotte Flair, for example. She is the most polite person I've ever met. It is. Very much, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, ma'am. I mean, she is, like, super Miss Manners. And she's great. She is so awesome. Oh, yeah. I can tell. You know, I can definitely tell that. It seems like a sweet Southern Belle low-key, you know? Yes. Very, very, very like, very much soft-spoken. Like, And you can see this in uh, the book she has with her dad. Like, you know, she says that when she's me, when I'm Ashley... You know, I'm very shy and introverted, but when she's Charlotte Flair, it's it's her superhero cape she puts on, and she can just dazzle the world with that. She's very good at it. Who is running the DC 101 Facebook page? What uh, what about it? I gotta tell you right now, who's ever running it, though, they should be proud of themselves because it's not just a local thing anymore. Like, I see friends of mine from not even this country, they share the page because of her article. It's, you know, it's funny, John, because, like, uh, myself, Roach, uh, Tamo now, like, we'll all put stuff up on there, and then there's our digital people behind the scenes, so you honestly never know what's going to be a win. There could be something that just catches fire. It could be a, a meme, it could be a story, it could be anything. Next thing you know, we got people on the other side of the world sharing it. It's just, it's crazy sometimes. Like, I, f I find that with interviews I do like um like I remember I interviewed Gene Simmons from Kiss one time next thing I know it had over 100,000 people listen to it in less than a week and I was like wow this thing is this has been huge you just never know what's going to catch fire is it just me or is there like a similarity between like those old school journeyman wrestlers and broadcasters like how to go to different territories and different markets you know, that's that's actually an interesting analogy. I mean, look, everyone in the wrestling game, they're all they're all friends. It's a very incestual business, as you know. You know, you you see one guy here one week and 90 days later, you're going to see him someone else, somewhere else. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the same thing where broadcasters moved up through the ranks and all. And now like it's interesting how WWE will bring uh They'll bring in people from other sports, um, you know, like, uh, I f I'm sorry, I forget her name, but there's a new interviewer on SmackDown, and she came from uh, New England, from the New England Sports Network, and I think it's cool they're giving different people a shot like that. I, 
I'd love to do it, but I think I'm too much of a fan to be a wrestling uh, interviewer, commentator, broadcaster like that. I would let it get to me emotionally, you know? I think that's what's missing, though, is the passion of that. Like, somebody, sometimes you'll get conduit between fan and, you know, the promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Have them slide into those roles like like they had wrestlers back in the day. Yes. And they still do here and there, but, like, well, I mean, Bobby Heenan's your best example, him and Gorilla. And Jesse, too. Jesse Ventura was great, too. You know, having them in those roles. And then, you know, Hot Rod did it for a while, and Mr. Perfect was very good at it. Um, yeah, they've had some... They've had some good people, and the can't, you can't forget Jerry Lawler too. Um, yeah, but now you know you don't you don't really get that now. Corey Graves is the only one now. I wish they would have kept Samoa Joe on. I thought Joe was awesome. On he Tom was. Jerry. He was. I, CM Punk. I thought he was, was very soft spoken, and maybe it because he wasn't so in your face all the time. But when he would yell out things, like Joe was yelling that out as a fan, and you could tell. Oh yeah, my favorite one was CM Punk because. He may so well. One of oh, let me rephrase that. Not my favorite because it's definite. One of my favorites would have been CM Punk because you had to kind of listen. But like, wait, what did he say? He yes. makes such an obscure reference or make a reference to maybe like five five, five people would get. Like I'll never forget. Okay, like I remember it was it was back in twenty eleven. I'll never forget when he said, "I am a patient boy. I wait, I wait, and I wait." And I'm like, did he just reference Fugazi on Monday Night Raw? That <laughs> <laughs> thing only like. Maybe like maybe like okay out of a million like maybe like a million people watching maybe like ten people going to get that. Yeah, there there are some things like if you listen to Corey Graves is actually very good at doing that. Yes, um, I've caught him doing that on some bands, uh, before too, and I'm like, wait, what did did he? And I, I I'm sorry, they're slipping my mind right now, but I've definitely caught some references to songs in there, and I'm like, hey, what did he just say? That was cool. That was funny. I saw him do that one time with uh with the Symphony of Destruction match. He just made a bunch of Megadeth yes, references. That's what it was. It was Megadeth. And yes. I was like, you cheeky I'm like and I never forgive him like um when Kurt Angle came out basically wearing like the Hawaiian wear and he said, He look he looks like Hunter S. Thompson. I'm like <laughs> He does <laughs> Now that would have been a weird pairing. Can you imagine like Hunter S. Thompson basically filling in for somebody like uh, like super, uh, W Superstar? He could have done it. He could have done it. Uh, exactly. Trick out there, he definitely could have done it. He would. He would. He was pro wrestling through and through while Absolute, being a writer. Absolutely. You know, I can imagine him saying something like, "It was like the light, like I can't even do out of." I see. I'm getting nervous right now. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my. That was one of my biggest influences. Writing actually. Like when I got into the Gonzo journalist thing, I was like, I kind of do that anyway. There's a name for that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so that's what you know. So that's that's being there there though. But like, all right. So okay. So being on DC one hundred and one, I've been listening to. All right, I started playing guitar when I was fourteen years old, right? So maybe that's like around ninety nine, two thousand. Had an acoustic what was, one. Let Let me ask you this, John. What was the first song that you uh, halfway attempted to play through? Okay, here's the magical. Okay, here's the good question. The first one I halfway tried to play through was Dragula by Rob Zombie. That's a tough song to try to play through for one of your first songs. It's It's so funny. Oh, it was terrible. When, I don't know how it is with with women that start playing guitar, but guys, guys always go for like Metallica or some metal. We always of course. do. Of course. And then it's like, all right, now I'm going to branch off and try some other stuff. And then we end up on playing Wonderwall. But anyway, of course, 
But the <laughs> first official song that I learned how to play was, of course, Back in Black by ACDC. It's a good song. ACDC has great songs, and they're very easy to play. And the funniest thing about it was, I didn't, I'm still learning. I'm greening and goose shit to this, right? Shout out to Cornette. Um, and I had no idea that there was such things as lead guitar and rhythm guitar. Like, I didn't know. I, I wasn't. I'm like still like 14. It's like, oh, okay. I didn't. I don't know what double tracking was. It's like 13 or 14. I know now. But I, um, so I was like, shit, is two guys playing the same part? <laughs> I had no idea. Wait. They're doing that, and that's why it sounds so loud. Okay, now exactly. I Exactly. It. It's like, that makes a lot of sense in the world now. So, okay, that, so that's why. Okay, cool. You know, then later on, I got more of the other stuff. So, you know, like um, like one of the first punk songs I learned to play was the Ramones, Blitzkrieg, Bob, because it's literally three, well, four chords, technically. Love the Ramones. Can't go wrong with them, actually, you know? She, nope. She Knows the Punk Rocker is my favorite Ramones song. Love the Ramones. One of my buds actually knew, um, okay, I forgot it was the it was the album Too Tough to Die, I think. It was the one with like the blue cover on there. Okay. It was the one where like they were in the shadows, it's like a blue color. I think it was blue cover, I think it was Too Tough to Die. I think it was it was the eighties one, right? A friend of mine actually knows one of the guys who inspired one of the songs. It was this guy named And he mm-hmm. had like a whole drug operation, right? And he wrote a song about it. And I think it was something about something in the night. I forgot what it was called though. But that's what it was about this guy named Chasing Mongo. the Night? Chasing the Night. That's what it was it was about him. It was Dee Dee wrote a song about him. Now I'm going to have to listen to that once we're done talking. That was the, I'll tell you right now, when it came to, I'll tell you, Dee Dee basically pushed him into the, the 80s direction. Because if you think about it, the Ramones were basically Beach Boys for guys that sniff glue. <laughs> I mean, really, the first albums, that's really what they sounded like. It sounded like Joey Ramone trying to do his best impression of a British pop singer. And Good way to look at it. Exactly. You know? And they later on were trying to figure who they were because also, like, you know, then they end up, you know, here's a great example of Never Meet Your Heroes. They end up doing an album with Phil Spector, and it was such a disaster. It's still talked to this day. In fact, you have, like, um, a whole play based off the whole incident, you know, with Phil Spector putting a gun to either Joey or Marky Ramone's chest saying, you're not going anywhere, you know? See- and this goes back to one of the first things you asked me about Dark Side of the Ring. What? Try to get those bad stories out of your head. Just remember the good parts of the Ramones okay. when they did Rocket to Russia and all that stuff. I don't know. It gets better, though, because the thing about it is after that, they still kind of figure out who they were still. And they still grew as artists. So, like, like for example, truth be told is, though, I always kind of felt like guys like... um. Richie Ramone and also Dee Dee pushed him into like what the what the hardcore guys in New York were doing. So they kind of felt like, all right, that was cool for the seventies. Here's what they're doing now, and they kind of felt like, hey, we can still keep up. So mm-hmm. kind of kind of went the metal a little bit, but still they were still still sound like them. Yes, so they had their own Ramone sound. Exactly, you know, shoot, ones for them, like they were the genome. Like ones for them to be you know, screeching weasels. There would be no you know Green Day, you know. So, like, in a weird way, maybe no Descendants, stuff like that. It was one of the genomes of stuff, you know? Every band influences the next one. Exactly. You know, shoot. Like, um, like, I keep on thinking about, like, um, like, for example, like, looking back at it, it's like, how how many bands has the Bad Brains influenced, though? Because... Every band. Exactly. Like, really, and also, shoot, even 24 Seven Spies, like, um, the down-tuning thing. Hey, Jimmy Hazel is tuning guitar down the whole step and everything, right? And remember that... The band before Korn, um, LEPD. In fact, they did a show. They they did a tour with uh, Twenty Seven Spice. It was either Head or Monkey. I think it was Monkey, who got to know Jimmy Hazel pretty well, and then they were trying to figure out like, oh, so that's what he's doing. He's tuned down the whole thing, and ergo, they had the seven string guitar thing. 
some mix of those things, and there you go, kind of a little his fingerprints are a new metal, doing Stuff something like. different and influencing a whole generation. Exactly. Now, something else I was thinking about. Speaking of influence of whole generation, when I think, all right, there are many. Okay, I remember like DC One One getting on this on the news for something a while back, actually, that's here and there. But the one thing I think with DC 101, aside from great rock music, was really Howard Stern kind of was, like, that was a stepping stone for Howard Stern's career, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, As Howard a- was, you know, if, you, if you've never watched the movie Private Parts, uh, I strongly encourage everyone to do that, because Howard really found his footing at Washington, D.C., at DC 101, and started really causing trouble there, and moved to New York, and yeah, he's had, uh, I mean, he's had quite a lot of success, even though Howard wasn't there at DC 101 for that long. No, he wasn't. You know, you know it, was only, it was only a couple of years, but, you know, people still talk about Stern to this day of, oh, yeah, I grew up listening to Howard Stern, just like a lot of people now. Oh, yeah, I grew up listening to Elliot, or I grew up listening to Greaseman. You know, we, True. Oh, my God. Our morning shows are, you know, they they are forever at DC 101, for sure. Oh, totally. You know, I remember that like I was I listen to them, but also I listen to like, you know, like later in the evening, listen to Don and Mike, too. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I love Don and Mike. Don and Mike. Uh, I get to uh, never worked with them. But when I was in CBS in Baltimore, um, you know, had some interactions. They were always super nice to me. Good guys. Oh, total sweetheart. I remember like, my mom actually worked with Don Geronimo back at WPGC. Yes, mm-hmm. folks. Before WPGC was like the hip hop and urban station, it was like a pop still, top 40 station. Yeah, that was one that. of the places everyone wanted to work. Was it WPGC? Oh, yeah, it was, you know. And there were, like, basically two passing ships and everything. So it's like, you know, my mom's basically about to go to work. Don's leaving. It's like, hey, Sherry, how you doing? Hey, Don, how you doing? But, you know, always a really cool guy. You know, never had never had a bad word, never had an ego, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Good dude. You know? All right. I was just going. I was about to ask you about New Jack, but I was like, uh, "What are your thoughts on him?" Oh, I'm thinking I'm going to score and scratch that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Smart move. Shoot. All right. Well, I guess I got to wrap it up. Anything? But honestly, it's an honor to chat with you. You know. Oh, stop, Jeb. Stop. With Seriously, that it's like it's one of those weird on, things. I think it is right here. The idea of like, okay, when you're was I'm like I'm like young dude, basically learning how to play guitar, really getting into rock music and everything. You know, go through my Lincoln Park phase, yada, yada, yada. And also guys like you, Roach, and everybody else. Hey, y'all were the soundtrack to what I was basically to kind of like, you know, finding myself. So I appreciate that. Well, my job was to hit play and tell bad jokes. And as long as people like me telling bad jokes and I can still hit play, I'm going to keep doing it. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all, actually, you know. <sighs> well, so like, um, yeah, well, great chatter. John, this is a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. No problem, though. Hey, that was Mike Jones. Check him out on DC 101. Until next time, take it easy and please use common sense.